I don't think I can take another bit of this. I'm hot. Uh, what's the thermometer say? 101 degrees. It is still unclear why the sun is becoming hotter, but as the temperature increases, pandemonium reigns on Earth as- Oh my god, let's turn off the radio. Can we just turn back on the AC just for a little bit? <sighs> sure, I'll try. Okay, should be blasting out. Cool. Oh no. It's not working. Can you go check? I don't think we should go outside. Good point. Can can you just look out the window? Alright, let me go look. Oh no, Christy, the AC is melting, like Salvador Dali style. Oh no, what in the heck are we gonna do? Let's make pina coladas. Chris, what? Let's make pina coladas. The ice melted hours ago. Let's make really runny pina coladas. Chris, I love you, but we can't have a drink. We'll get dehydrated. I just want snowballs, icicles, foreigners, hit song, cold as ice, anything. It's unbearable. You gotta snap out of it, Chris. We still have a podcast to record, 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 record. Chris? Christy? Hey, are you there? Was tonight the night we were supposed to record? Huh? Uh, what? Wait, was that a was that a dream? Were we just asleep? I've been on the call for thirty minutes. Oh, I'm so sorry, Corey. We must have fallen asleep. I had the absolute strangest dream. The sun was getting hotter and hotter, and the earth was gonna cook. Wait, you had that same dream? Oh wow, what a coincidence, Corey. Are are you saying that we've actually awoken into a world where the sun is disappearing instead of getting hotter, thus providing a cruel moment of contrast from the dream we had of boiling heat? Are we merely pawns in a moment of twisted science fiction racked with an ironic twist? Uh, no? Don't you remember? That's the plot of the comic we're talking about. Not real life. Are you guys okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're fine. We just, uh... Maybe we need to go get a nice cold drink and then talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's On Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our episode covering The Final Night with a capital N. Yeah, not a, not a K-N. <laughs> I feel like it's an important distinction. You never know. <laughs> and as you heard in our cold open, we have a fabulous guest joining us. Who also requested this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. So guest and patron, we have writer, editor, doing writing at CXF, and writing and editing at uh, WWAC. And lots of other places on the internet, just like incredibly talented um, and everywhere. She is Corey. Welcome to the show, Corey. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad to be here. Uh. <laughs> Corey now has a single name, as Jesus. if she is Cher. <laughs> I was just, so, I was really tempted to just say Corey Marie, just because a handle is what I always. <laughs> I always see. I was like, that's. <laughs> Cor- Corey-, Corey can have a last name if she wants. <laughs> Corey, when you come on your show, you get the privilege, the honor of, of being able to use your last name if you want. 
Corey oh. McCreary, welcome to the show. <laughs> Again, thanks for having me, guys. I'm I'm very happy to be here. Uh, really excited to talk about this series. We are super excited you requested it, and we're really excited to have you on because uh, much much as I try, I am. So C- Christy is our consummate newbie in terms of comics, even though she has now been reading comics for, for a long time. <laughs> for like I still five will, years. I will continually fit the role of newbie to comics just because like things evaporate from my brain so quickly that you know i'm just a perpetual like fish out of water all the time it's it's great but (laughs) you don't just have to like explain things to you and or or take that role in the podcast so i like i like our dynamic yeah yeah (laughs) but anyway as i was saying Corey, i'm i'm a dc dummy for a lot of our, our our readers i know some uh, uh, enough i would you know more than like the average person on earth knows about dc comics including uh christy's sister who did think that they were no longer publishing them um, okay multiple people have like i talked to people like multiple people don't didn't think comics think are being published comics, yeah comics were still being published oh, oh so do they still make those yeah that's a yeah that's a real sad mm-hmm. one I'm trying to imagine a writer hearing about that. Like, like, let's say like Kyle Starks or somebody is at like dinner with somebody who doesn't do comics. And then they're like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I draw comics. And I'm like, they still make those. That would kill me. That would crush my spirit. Yeah. That's got to be like a pretty common Tinder response for people in comics. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not swiping right on that one. What's, what's the good one? I'm not on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right is good, I think, and left is bad. I'm- okay. Oh, okay. Tinder started after Christy and I got married. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we Corey, we are excited to have your expertise again because we are we are D- DC goobers. We don't know we don't know a single thing. I didn't know this this crossover existed until you requested it. It wasn't even something <laughs> like on my radar, and I feel like that's a lot of people's experience. Yeah, uh, like. It is a very underrated crossover, despite having significant ramifications for the DC universe. Yeah, like it. Yeah, when when you like, I expected like, oh, they're gonna like fix fix the sun or whatever, and then I was like, oh, this actually has a huge thing to do with Hal Jordan. What? Okay, before we get too much into that huge <laughs> thing, I think we need to head on into our summary. Summary. Final Night, number one through four. Written by Carl Kiesel, penciled by Stuart Eminen, inked by Jose Marzan Jr., colored by Lee Lofridge, lettered by Gaspar Saladino, and edited by Alessandra Morales and Dan Thorsland. Issue one. A strange visitor called Dusk lands on the world of Starfire's people, New Tamarin, where Dusk is quickly taken captive as the sun of New Tamarin has been blotted out, leading to plunging cold temperatures. The Tamarians blame Dusk for this, but Starfire quickly sees that she is not to blame, rescuing her and providing her a small ship as the Tamarians attempt to destroy the Sun Eater, only for them to fail and have their homeworld blow up. Oops! Dusk crash lands on Earth and is greeted by Superman and the Legion of Superheroes. Saturn Girl reads her thoughts to find that the Sun Eater is coming for Earth. It is a strange device that will cover the sun and deprive the Earth of heat. Also, it's been doing this to different suns for a long time. Dusk is kind of like the pariah, only for Sun Eaters. 
The superheroes develop two plans. The first one involves Mr. Miracle creating a teleporting boom tube to shoot the Sun Eater to the edge of the universe. Barring that, all the solar energy heroes will try to create a decoy sun to draw the Sun Eater away. As this occurs, the Phantom Stranger attempts to get the Spectre to help, but the Spectre is like, blah, 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 God's will, leave me alone. The boom tube plan doesn't work as it's overloaded by the Sun Eater. The solar plan seems to almost work, but oops, the Sun Eater preferred name brand sun. And as a massive permanent eclipse settles on the planet Earth, Lex Luthor decides maybe it's time he helps. Issue two. Lex Luthor shows up in Metropolis to help, still as arrogant as ever, but he and Superman shake hands for, I don't know, a cool moment, I guess. All over the world, superheroes help with disasters, especially a particular fire in Gateway City, set by a kid who was just trying to keep warm. At said incident, a woman grabs Ray and asks him to take her back home. In Paris, Vandal Savage attempts to steal the Mona Lisa, and for some reason Batman and Superman thwart his efforts. But Superman is tiring out due to the lack of yellow sunlight that gives him his power. Lex Luthor kind of dunks on him back at base before also clowning on Brainiac 5. Basically, Lex is just laying into everyone this crossover, but still doing good things? It's wild. Anyway, he has an idea for a probe that can pierce the Sun Eater. The JSA meets up to put on their costumes and do some good, maybe for one last time. Green Lantern, Kyle in this instance, delivers the probe into the Sun Eater, finding at the center the sun itself, but the readings are not good, and Kyle asks to shut the probe down. Regardless, after a few moments, Saturn Girl can no longer find Green Lantern. Dusk explains to Black Canary the grim nature of her journeys, attempting to stop the Sun Eater with very little success. The two of them are confronted by a literal angry mob who blames Dusk for the Sun Eater. They are joined by Flash and Nightwing, and eventually the new hero known as Pharaoh. The Ray heads to the woman he saves village and attempts to use his powers to create a tiny sun, frustrated with his inability to save the Earth. Issue 3. Guide Gardner's Bar Warriors has been converted to a makeshift hospital, and Wildcat is brought in, having been injured in a rescue. While there, the young hero Pharaoh is given a legion ring from Lightning Lass, boding things to come. The demon Etrigan, along with the whole host of Hell, offer Earth the chance to survive on, but at the cost of their collective souls— Earth, not so politely, refuses. Lex Luthor gives a press conference where he states that they are working on solutions, and when a reporter asks if it's all in vain, because eventually the Earth will simply be completely frozen, Lex says that the Earth is cooling slower than expected. Cut to elsewhere, as the spirit of the Earth, Gaia, attempts to fight against the cold with encouragement from the Spectre. Ted Knight, the former Starman, calls Star Labs, asking if they've measured the sun's diameter. Cut to our heroes who have figured out that the sun's diameter is definitely shrinking, which means it's going to go supernova soon. Oh no! Dusk prepares to leave the planet to try again in the next spot the Sun Eater attempts to destroy, but Phantom Stranger visits her to take her on a Christmas Carol ghost journey across the world, first seeing Oracle speaking with her father. Next, they head to the village Ray was at, and Zatanna and Fire arrive, with Fire reviving the comatose Ray, and Zatanna teleporting Firestorm in. Firestorm creates tons of little fire globes to help the people. 
Sentinel, the first Green Lantern, Jade, and Obsidian rescue people in Kyoto, and then we get the quick montage as Phantom Stranger takes Dusk all over to see the heart of the heroes of Earth. She sees another mob and, fearing the anger of man again, prepares for a fight. However, it's a group who is looking for her and want to get her back to Warrior's Bar to get warm. Superman visits his family, and it's a bit of a, this is the last time we'll see each other thing. And back at Warriors, Guy prepares to get wasted, but is confronted by a green light. Issue 4. After Parallax, Emerald Knight, in which Hal Jordan decides even though he's a crappy guy after Emerald Twilight and Zero Hour, he's gonna help with this. Oddly, though, we start with Kyle Rayner, who we thought died, racing across the Earth lamenting that he couldn't convince Hal? I'm a little confused. He arrives in Metropolis, where work is being done on habitats. Wonder Woman grabs him, and it's time for a briefing. Since the sun is gonna blow up, Lex Luthor has designed little force field generators that will go around the sun from Dusk's ship contain the Nova, and destroy the Sun Eater. I'm still confused, but it's all good. Green Lantern is tasked to lead this mission, but suddenly disappears? Superman offers to fly the ship instead, hoping the Nova will jumpstart his powers. However, Pharaoh snags the ship first, as Superman means so much to so many that he didn't think the Earth could lose him. Hal Jordan, Parallax, suddenly appears and offers to help. Batman refuses, since he's worried Hal is just going to play God. Hal promises to restore the Earth and Sun to normal, and off he goes. Back at the sun, before the force fields can be deployed, it goes Nova and nearly consumes Pharaoh, only for the lad to be saved by a godlike Hal Jordan, who says his Green Lantern Oath, expending all his power in his life to set things right. The Earth is all good now, and we end with Superman and Batman chatting about Hal. Batman seems to think he did one good thing, but lived a terrible life beforehand. But Superman thinks he'll always have died a hero. Christy, I often ask you when we when we exit the summary, did you like this crossover? Okay. So I feel like I was more into it until I realized that this is this was a redemption arc for Hal Jordan. <laughs> this is my favorite, because you know Hal Jordan only from Zero Hour. I mean oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, zero hour is what we've covered covered him in before. So going from that, like I've read the really the really bad Hal Jordan, and then I'm like, what, what? Corey, correct me if I'm wrong. I would say in general, amongst like people who kind of share our general comics opinions, maybe not comics at large, Hal Jordan is kind of seen as like probably. Like one of the not best Green Lanterns because he does this he does that sort of stuff. Like the whole he did the whole Emerald Twilight thing where he like killed all the guardians and like gained a bunch of power. He did mm-hmm. the whole um zero hour thing. But he's also just like kind of a jerk. <laughs> yeah, uh so canonically in universe, he's regarded as one of the best Green Lanterns, despite all of the horrible Horrible stuff that he has done over the years. But yep. among among fans, like, there are some clear divides. There are people around our age group that grew up with Kyle Rayner mm-hmm. and don't like Hal because the Hal we grew up with was Parallax. And we grew up with Kyle 
there are also people slightly younger than us that grew up on the animated series, so they grew up on John. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then there are people older than us who grew up on Hal, and grew up on the late 80s, early 90s Hal Jordan stuff, which doesn't hold up now because it was written by a really awful person, but that's neither here nor there. So it really depends on your age bracket on who your favorite Green Lantern is. Mm -hmm. And now the youngest kids, the kids coming into comics now, Hal is pretty much all they have ever had, because when he came back, he pretty much supplanted everyone else. Okay, but to be clear, nobody's favorite is Guy. No, there are people whose favorite is Guy Gardner. <laughs> no. There there are people who are who I know whose favorite is Guy Gardner. Former Chris is on Infinite Earths guest, Nola Fow. Loves Guy Gardner. Loves okay. Guy Gardner. I have suppressed this information because I didn't want to know it. <laughs> Nola just likes that he's kind of a kind of a jerk. I Nola don't think, would like that. I don't think Nola wants to be like best friends with real life Guy Gardner, but you know there's characters <laughs> you just like to read about. Yeah, and like He's the jerk in the way that is fun to read. Hal is the jerk in the way that it's not fun. To read. Mm -hmm. Well, in that, like, the like, Hal is mostly treated by his peers as as like a cool guy th for, through a lot of it, and then we, the reader, are like, "Oh, this jerky behavior is like that. That's that. That is the norm." Whereas, like, guy, like people know he's a jerk, treat him like a jerk, and he goes through like a he has like kind of an mm -hmm. arc. Okay, so. <laughs> Because I am the newbie to comics here, I need some explanation as to what 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 is Guy right now in He's this... Warrior. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Okay, so he's ditched the bowl cut and he's Well there's no Green Lanterns at this point other than Kyle Rayner. Right. Yeah. So, so Alright. So here is Guy's story in a nutshell. He was a Green Lantern. He was the second choice when Hal got the ring. But Hal was a little bit closer, so the ring went to Hal instead of Guy. Like, if Guy would have been closer to Abinsur when Abinsur crashed, Guy Gardner would have been the first Green Lantern of Earth. Okay. He was a backup Green Lantern for a while, and then he was the primary Green Lantern for a while. And then Hal came back, as Hal tends to do. They got into a fist fight over who got to be Green Lantern of Earth. Hal won. Guy gave up his ring. Guy took Sinestro's ring, so for a while he no. was carrying around a yellow lantern ring. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then Guy found out that he was half alien and was... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, you can't, you can't hand wave that. It's half... fine, it's fine, don't worry about it. Okay, and... I guess it's calm because I guess you can hand wave the half alien, but what? Okay, continue. And thus is able to summon up, like, gun body parts? Like, I've not, I've not actually <laughs> read Guy Gardner Warrior, I've just seen him pop up in various crossovers and whatnot. Essentially, that, that is what he is during Kyle's tenure as Green Lantern, is he's this half-alien that summons guns out of his own body and is still the same jerk wagon that he always was yes. so when he says do you want to buy a ticket to the gun show it means something <laughs> entirely different <laughs> it means both because he's also really ripped he was a gym teacher 
in this continuity. Like that was his that was his career was a high school gym teacher. So he's rather built. Okay, yes, a noted quality of high school gym teachers. <laughs> in the in the DC universe at least. Oh. <sighs> All right, you got a rundown of what's going on with the Green Lanterns at the time, Christy. Okay. So Warrior is him him at the gun show. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Got it. Yes. Got it. And Kyle is the lone Green Lantern at this point. Right. Uh, Hal killed all the rest of them. And I have, thanks to Corey, read some of Kyle's stuff. Hey, you kind of gave up. Well, <laughs> it was really hard to continue after the fridging. Oh, yeah, because you were... Yeah. Boy, was yeah. that hard for you to be like, I just really love the, what's the character's had... Alex? Alex, right? Yeah. Oh. You were like, I just love Alex. She's great. And I was like... Oh, honey. Oh, no, I can't say anything. <laughs> and then we got there, and I was like, I need to stop, and I need to commission Art of Alex before I can continue. <laughs> and then you were like, I have the art, I will not continue. <laughs> I think I read a little bit more after that. I read, uh, well, no, I can't remember where it fall- fell in his run, like his whole confrontation with Hal. Hmm. Um, uh, shortly after that was his right. first confrontation with Hal, and then he had a second confrontation with Hal. And then Hal kind of disappeared for a while, and we didn't really see him again until Final Night. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, anyway, the 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 whole deal with Final Night, I think, is really interesting in that there are not supervillains. Right. We still don't know what the Sun Eater is. Just an amoeba? Is uh, I, hear, I, I hear that thrown around. <laughs> Uh, so the Sun Eater is actually a creature that is most often used in Legion of Superhero stories in the 30th century. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's it's a giant, massive creature that eats suns. That's pretty much its whole deal. Like, Is it sentient? <laughs> yes. Most of the time they are sentient. Oh, there's more than one. Yeah, there there are multiple throughout the universe, but when they're coming for your solar system, it's generally seen as a bad sign. <laughs> well, I I can't imagine a scenario where they get what they want and things turn out good for anybody. <laughs> now, Corey, one thing I forgot to look up: the Legion is in is is there? They're in our current time. Yes. So during this time period, this version of the Legion. A handful of them got stuck in the 20th century, and it just happened to fall during Final Night. They wound up going back to their timeline shortly after Final Night. Uh Uh-huh. But I think them being here brought a lot to the story because, A, they know about Sun Eaters because those are a known quantity in the 30th century. And B, like I said... Previous Sun Eater stories were all Legion of Superheroes stories, and, like, Mm. there are a lot of callbacks to the very first Sun Eater story in Final Night. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, I probably should have read. Yes! It's too late now. (laughs) It's fine. This is why we have Corey, that we have to do less work. (laughs) The original Sun Eater story is also the Death of Pharaoh Lad story. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Wait, did you say Pharaoh Lad? Yeah, so... (laughs) That's a name. (laughs) There was a character in this named Pharaoh, you might have noticed. 
Yeah. I might have. <laughs> <laughs> and so this version of the Legion is a brand new version of the Legion that spun out of Zero Hour. Mm -hmm. The Legion of the 1960s through the 1980s was killed off during Zero Hour and rebooted because Zero Hour was seen as a way to fix the Legion of Superheroes after John Byrne's Superman retcons really really screwed them over <laughs> love to blame john byrne i'll do it and i'll do it again all the time all the time but in this case it really was his fault because he made it so superboy never existed therefore superboy could never actually inspire the legion of superheroes and mm. there was just a cycle of all of these things that were in legion's history just couldn't happen anymore mm -hmm. so with Zero Hour, they rebooted the Legion of Superheroes and gave them a new origin, and they kept most of the characters, but with fancy 90s names. Yeah. Like, instead of Lightning Lad, it's Livewire, and instead of Lightning Lass, it's Spark. Okay, I do feel like these are upgrades. <laughs> Having Lad and Lass in your superhero oh, they're name- just, they're very 60s. Right. Uh, I mean, I, ha I have tons of these comics, like, sitting in the basement. I love Silver Age Legion. They are goofy, but I love them. <laughs> but, I mean, I would probably love it, too. I yeah, no, they're fun. And, like, and yes, they are much more superhero names mm -hmm. than Blank Lad and Blank Lass. Phantom Girl becomes Apparition. Just a lot of name changes, but it's the same characters, basically. Yeah. And similar personalities. The big difference here is they don't have a Pharaoh lad until they come back to the 20th century and meet Pharaoh. Right. Does he have much of an intro before this? No, he. this is his first appearance is in Final Night number two at the very end of the issue. And then he shows up in the Superman crossover issues of Final Night. And if I remember correctly, he goes back with the Legion to the 30th century because he doesn't have a family in the 20th century. <laughs> He's like, might as well. I mean, I get it. I would maybe do that. Like, he was an orphan, and you know what? He earned his spot on the team, and good for him. Love a Pharaoh lad. Yeah, Pharaoh. yeah. Pharaoh is great. <laughs> like, it, it's just, it's a nice nod to that original story, and especially when he offers to sacrifice himself. <laughs> and, like, you're like, oh, this is just going to play out exactly like that first story did, and then it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty cool. I I like that a lot of what the, this this crossover did in that it it was kind of elegant in its solutions. Like you think like, oh, literally any big cosmic problem Superman could probably solve. Oh, but it's a sun problem, so they're going to need to be a little more creative because Superman starts to slowly lose his his Kryptonian powers because right. he doesn't have the yellow sunlight. Yeah. And so when I said earlier that this had lasting ramifications for the DC universe, I didn't just mean in regards to the Hal Jordan stuff. Superman doesn't get his powers back for quite some time. This is when he turns blue, right? It's shortly before he turns blue, and part of the reason for that. Oh. He doesn't have his powers for a good, like, another, like, three or four months of wow. comics, including his wedding. His wedding is shortly after Final Night. How did I not realize Superman got married? <laughs> to Lois Lane? Well, because they're... 
Here's the deal, Christy. There's like five iterations of the DC universe. And I don't even mean the DC universe per se. I mean like the DC multiverse, like the status quo and history has been changed several times. So he's been married to Lois and not married to Lois. And it's a lot. Okay. So this is not like a huge oversight on my part. It's like something that's understandable. I'd say so. Okay, yes. Corey maybe disagrees. I, I, I mean, <laughs> Superman being married to Lois was the status quo for from 1996 to 2011. Times that I was definitely not reading comics. Yeah. Chrissy did not read a single comic at that <laughs> right. time. And then it was not the status quo from 2011 to 2016. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now it is again. And now it is oh, wait, the status is? quo. Yes, they are currently yeah. married, but it... it <laughs> they didn't, like, get married. It's like, oh, it's complicated. It, it's it's also this version of Superman and Lois again, essentially. Yeah, yeah it is It is just kind of a re- So it's picking this story. marriage back up. I mean, I liked Earth 2 Superman and Lois, if I remember them. Yeah, they're yeah. great, too. I love them. They're, mm-hmm. they're fantastic. Delightful. I knew they were married. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the first time that Superman and Lois got married was with them. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unless you count imaginary stories, which we don't. <laughs> what, what, what? Oh, okay, so Christy, sometimes in the Silver Age, DC would just say, this is an imaginary story, and then just release an issue. What? Yeah. What? No. Yep. Nope. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yes. They would tell you. <laughs> we just did this for funsies, but it didn't really happen, guys? Yeah. Yep. Yep. What? And then there were some times where you would think that the issue was going to be an imaginary story, and they would lead in with, this is not a hoax, not an imaginary story, this is for real. I feel like that's a poor decision. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess Marvel has its what-ifs. and Yeah, Marvel didn't do imaginary stories in their main titles, though. <laughs> Wait, these happened in their... Yeah, yeah. You, you, yes. They weren't, like, one-shots? No, nope. you'd grab an issue of Action Comics. No. Like, Action Comics 3-whatever, 300-whatever, and it would be like, this is an imaginary story about... What? Yeah. No. It's uh-huh. so bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. You knew it going in. We just think it's weird now. Oh, I love it. Uh, so, yeah, uh... Like this, this issue directly led to the marriage, mm-hmm. or not issue the series. Because if you notice, Lois was not around at all. Yeah, yeah it's yep. true. So during this time period, Lois and Superman were actually on a break. Ooh, ooh, yeah. He had to take some time to luxuriate in that mullet. <laughs> uh, no, she she actually Superman. broke up with him. <gasps> what did he do? He's Superman. How do you break up with Superman? He was too super. <laughs> I've I've often thought if Christy left me, that would be the same thing. <laughs> Sorry, you're just too good. He didn't allow her as much agency as she wanted. Mm. Oh, that's not why Christy would leave me. I'm sorry, Gaston. I just don't deserve you. <laughs> like, like it wasn't in a bad way. It was like in a he was always there to save her, and she was starting to feel like that meant that she couldn't live the life that she wanted to live. And so she gave him his engagement ring back, and she left to be a foreign correspondent. And there was like six months where it didn't seem like the wedding was actually gonna happen, mm. and then. Final night happened, and 
Superman lost his powers and Lois comes back to Metropolis and realizes that he still doesn't have his powers and they make out and get married like three days later. Chris, Chris did fist pumps at the make out. I just let everybody know. I love kissing in comic books. I think it's great. Kissing. I'll, I'll send you the page later, Chris, because it's fantastic. It's imminent. It, it's uh... imminent. Who, like, Eminem was a big part of the Superman books at the time. He was the artist at the time on Adventures of Superman with writer Carl Kiesel, who so, is... Which is also this comic. Yeah. <laughs> Literally um, same like, team. They took, like, a two-month break from Adventures of Superman to pump out these four issues, which came out weekly. And oh. Yeah, this was a week... This, this all happened in, like, one month. Yep. Wow. That's- yeah. That's pretty fun for an event to get it. Yeah, and it meant that all of the crossover issues, all of the tie-ins were condensed to that one month, too. Right. It was just one month of all DC comics. That's a lot of comics to buy in a month. (laughs) I mean, if you want to. Right, tie-ins are optional. Yeah. Of course, but for those completionists. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of see the appeal. Like, I don't love the... So right now we are in May 2021. Mm Mm-hmm. Heroes Reborn is the big crossover that is currently coming out. I don't think any any big crossover is coming out in DC. Mm-hmm. Infinite Frontier hasn't started yet. And that's not really a crossover. Is no, yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it's just its own series. Right. Yeah, DC's kind of light on the crossovers after like a year of just doing a just a lot of it. Marvel is coming out with Heroes Reborn, which regardless of what I think about it, they are trying to like shove it into like two months. And I'm like, you know what? Like, if you're going to do a crossover, maybe just get done with it. Yeah. yeah that, like, and DC did that a lot in the 90s, where it would be like a one-month event with weekly issues and one month of all of the tie-in issues. And this was all the same creative team on each of the issues, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of, like, front-loading of that work. Yeah, they must have just known it was coming up and had enough time to do it ahead of time. Man, that seems like really solid editorial decision making. I think they used to be better at giving a lot of lead time for these sorts of things. I feel like there was, and I, th- I, I think we're getting maybe back to a point where that's happening, but I feel like for a while it was impossible. And like I said, they took a break from their main book. Like, so there were fill-in issues of Adventures of Superman where other artists and other writers came on so that they had time to work on this month-long event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Readers, I love Stuart Eminem. He is probably top three all-time for me, so this was a delight <laughs> to read. And he's not like it... I I think, to me, his peak is probably later, but it was still like, like, this is like, this is wonderful to read. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, sharing bits with you and being like, oh, this art. And you're like, and this is even his best stuff. It's not his best stuff, <laughs> but it's, it's very good. Stuart Eminent at his worst is better than, like, 90% <laughs> of artists at their absolute best. <laughs> Honestly, I would argue that his best is his Adventures of Superman era. His Adventures of Superman is just stellar. I, I've, I talked about it on Twitter, but there is a... There is an issue where he he does a panel transition where it's the first page is a full pa- a full page splash and then the next page is two panels and then four panels then eight panels 16 32 64 
And then the last page is 128 small, tiny panels that he still crams all this detail into. Is it awful that as you were saying that, I was just thinking, 36, 24. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, Christy. I was like, numbers in sequence. Well, I think he peaked when he drew a bunch of birds in uh, all new America. You so. were so excited about that page. And I, I haven't read that comic. I was You're just like, like look at all now. the species and they're accurate. <laughs> he, he did it. He's great. Uh, and a lot of, there's a lot of uh, artists now that kind of uh, feel like they're from his school of style. And so mm-hmm. it's like, it's a time for me. Right now, 2021 is is Chris's time to consume comic books. (laughs) Isn't it always Chris's time to Mm. consume comic books? I specifically didn't read them in the 90s because I was a goody two-shoes kid and everything just looked a little too extreme for me. See, I don't know it, that I should have been that, reading sure. DC because DC did not go to that extreme. No, you're right. It was just and, it, it was the 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 fact that Marvel was like the popular thing on on cartoons. Yeah. It was a weird like contrast in that if you wanted to, if you got into X-Men the cartoon, the comics were generally not doing those stories. They to some extent, but in general like you would just be a little confused. And then Spider-Man had a cartoon and they were just doing Clone Saga. It was very difficult for me. Uh, I feel like I've mentioned this several times uh, on this podcast where I was just like, I was desperately trying to read comic books as a kid and I was just so confused. (laughs) All right. Do we have any more thoughts that we need to discuss before we get into some Twitter questions? It's a little early for Twitter questions, but we have some really big ones. We do. Uh, I do have one more thing that I want to talk about. Um, And that is that my favorite part of this crossover and it actually trickles into the tie-in issues, is that this is a crossover about hope. Mm-hmm. No, no, she's in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Christy! <laughs> wow! <laughs> um, like, this is a situation where the heroes are trying and failing and trying and failing and trying over and over again, and it looks bleak and it looks like it's the end and yet throughout it all it's just centered around the concept of hope and how powerful of a concept that is and how hope can pull you out of despair and out of darkness and provide you a way forward and like almost all of the tie-in issues got that memo yeah and like Almost all of the tie-in issues are great. Like, even Hitman, which is normally not a book I would enjoy, not a book I would read. It's Garth Ennis at his most Garth Ennis. And even Hitman had a tie-in issue to this that was all about hope. The only writer that didn't get the memo, apparently, was Peter David, because his Aquaman issue and his Supergirl issue are both the exact opposite tone of everything else in the line at the time. <laughs> okay, now I understand why you didn't recommend the Supergirl tie-ins. I was like, Corey is like having us cover this and not recommending the Supergirl stuff. It's the man with it's written by the man with three first names. Yep. Peter Allen David. Peter okay. Allen David. That's that's too many first names. I you only know the name man. for bad reasons. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like almost every other book was built around 
just holding on to whatever hope you could find. Like, the Robin issue is fantastic. The Superman issues are fantastic. So No, I was delighted by the fact that it is literally like a let's all bang our heads together and figure out a way out of this. And even when it's like, w- there's no way we can actually do this, they're still kind of trying some other stuff. And then we see like that scene where Zatanna is like, hey, how about we act or think or think globally, act locally. Yep. And like mm-hmm. makes all the lights for like the 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 near like teleports firestorm in and is like make a bunch of little lights and he's like i was doing other things and she's like, <laughs> 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 yeah like it's just such good small moments like that that i i found it like weirdly revolutionary in that probably 90 percent of 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 big event crossovers involve like a, at some point we all punch somebody <laughs> and a lot of times it's at, at some point we all punch the same person <laughs> and this was like there is nothing to punch sometimes we you have didn't to do stuff. have the group of magical superheroes all banding together to use power to do something that's vaguely important but you don't really understand that was a real harm mark in dc right like they all like, stand in a <laughs> yep. circle and shoot their magic yep. beams <laughs> we did kind of have that when all of the energy-based heroes that's true. tried to create a second, a second sun, sun and failed <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We did have that at the beginning. <laughs> They're like, okay, it's DC. You have to do everybody shooting laser beams into the center. We have to do at least I, one. We have to care bear it, guys. <laughs> we got to do one care bear. <laughs> I mean, one of my very first comics had that moment where it was the Justice League all unleashing their laser beams on Doomsday. Whoops among us has not just everybody had laser beams shooting at Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, uh, I was absolutely delighted by this crossover. I found it, like, so ahead of its time. And I feel like, I don't know how it was received at the time, but the fact that it's lost, and by lost, and obviously not really lost, it's on the app. But I mean, like, the fact that, like, when you when you suggested it to us, Corey, several of our friends were like, how the hell haven't I heard of this? <laughs> mm-hmm. And at the very least, they were like, wait, this is night with an N? And that, yeah, it's not <laughs> the last Batman or whatever, but... I, I feel like that is almost says a lot about like superhero reading culture and that the, the crossover, the only crossover that I feel like I've ever encountered where there was not at some point where everybody had to punch somebody or like, or like a big fight broke out. <laughs> um, like, I wonder if that's like a, just a testament to the fact that everybody expects a fight to break out in these superhero comics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it is weird in that respect. Like it, it's I not like a it. traditional crossover. I think that's great. Like yeah. I'm excited about the 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 upcoming Hellfire Gala because even though I'm sure there's going to be punching, at least the concept is, as opposed <laughs> to like we're all going to fight the same dude who is you know covering the world in goo or invading the earth or whatever. It's just like <laughs> we're just going to have a nice party. I'm like, what a radical concept that we can do something other than everybody punching each other. So like the fact that that the, the two companies seem to think that most of the time that. All, if you had tremendous, like, superpowers, all you could do is shoot them at each other. Like, sometimes I just want to think about people doing extraordinary, like, creative or, like, just nice things with their superpowers as opposed to, like, shooting lasers yeah. at each other. No, obviously I love when people shoot lasers at each other, but it's just like... <laughs> yeah. Someone recently pointed out that the MCU, a lot of the ending fights are just people, like, spinning around in the air and laser beams flying everywhere. 
And it like destroyed me because I was like, yes, this has happened a million times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh. Well, anyway, questions. All right. Twitter questions. We have a ton. The call went out and was answered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And we got to start with our favorite. Uh, can I say favorite? I'm going to say favorite. Favorite podcast mad, question. Literally, asker. between podcasts, people have talked about how good a question asker this question asker, asker is. She yeah. has a reputation. Yeah. At Asimov underscore fangirl. Yes. Best question asker. And always starts out with a nice little greeting. We got a howdy here. Yep. And question number one, do you think the inclusion of the Legion of Superheroes in this story is important or could it have worked without them? I liked it. And uh, here's why. Um, I liked that Brainiac 5 and Lex Luthor kind of butted heads, specifically with Lex Luthor just calling him a dummy all the time. <laughs> and Brainiac 5 is like a good kid, so he wasn't going to like call Lex Luthor like anything. But Lex Luthor's like, I thought you were supposed to be some smart future man. And Brainiac's just got the perpetual, well, with this primitive technology. <laughs> it's real good. <laughs> I like it. That was worth enough. But the, the, also the like splash page where Dusk's ship crashes and Superman and the Legion are there. That oh, was worth it for me. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I kind of already talked about this, but I absolutely do think that they were important. I think you could have done this story without them, but I don't think this story would have happened without them being stuck in the 20th century it's i just i love the legion too i just think they're neat it's it's mostly because my dad grew up reading them and he was always like chris have you heard of the legion of superheroes and in like 1995 i was like absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this would have been the legion of 1995 so i know i should have been reading it but (laughs) it was also the town i moved to from rhode island was like it had one comic book shop and it was not open like at normal like little kid times. It closed at like four PM most days. An odd time for a comic so like shop to kids close. couldn't get comics because you'd leave school and it would be closed. And then on Saturday it was open like like it was just weird hours. So we just could <laughs> never get comics. Okay, well the second question here, as a fangirl says, this is more of a nitpick, but isn't it weird that Etrigan tried to do an evil Faustian deals in this event? So It's the- weird because Etrigan is often kind of more of an anti-hero or more of like a mm-hmm. kind of gray figure. Mm-hmm. And this is very much a like, what if everyone on Earth gave me their souls and the Earth was dragged to hell? <laughs> so <laughs> confession time. Yeah. I've not read a lot of Etrigan. Um, I've read like, him in Swamp Thing. I've not read Swamp Thing yet. It's on my list. <laughs> but, so, like, I don't have a lot of experience with the demon, other than when he pops up here and there in, like I said, crossovers. So, I will take her word for it that it's out of character for him. <laughs> it's a, it, I, I'd say it's a bit much. And also, his rhymes were really weak. I gotta, you know, I like Carl <laughs> Kiesel, but the, like, he had no sense of meter. I, I thought it was kind of comical seeing the Pope tuning in. <laughs> I like how the Pope tuned in and the Cardinal's like, what the heck, Pope? And the Pope seems to almost have this look like, let's, let's, let's hear him out. Let's hear him out. <laughs> <laughs> Like Carl Kiesel, do you are you do you not like the Pope? You're not a Pope person. That's fine. <laughs> An anti-papist. <laughs> An anti-papist. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Thank you, Asimov fangirl. Uh-huh. And our next questions uh, come from, I feel like any person after this that we say questions from, I need to also emphasize that we really appreciate and love your, <laughs> your questions. <laughs> now, after saying that. Uh, Asimov fangirl has asked us a question, I think, on nearly every episode. Nearly every. If if she's missed a one, I can't recall. I can't think of one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next question comes from at Joel Prosser. Don't forget to mention how Superman is walking around with bits of Ollie's DNA all over his costume still. What? Did Green, did Green Arrow blow up or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he did, in fact, go boom. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> I know um, he's dead because in the parallax issue, yeah. or Hal visits his grave. Yeah. So shortly before final night, oh jeez, <laughs> there was a a bomb flying over Metropolis, and Superman and Green Arrow teamed up to try to stop the bomb. Oh jeez! And like I don't remember the exact details, but I remember that. Ollie got his arm stuck, and, like, they were at a place where they could let the bomb explode, and it wouldn't hurt anybody because it was over Metropolis. And Superman's like, I will just cut your arm off with my heat vision and save your life, and Ollie flat out refused because it would end his career. (laughs) So instead, he just... He, he just, just died. Fucking, he just dies. You're so vain. <laughs> I would rather die than lose my career as a guy who shoots boxing glove arrows. <laughs> which is how we got. Which is how we got the Connor Hawk Green Arrow, which is infinitely better than Ollie Queen. I like Connor Hawk. I'm currently reading the Morrison JLA, and Connor Hawk is kind of the everyman in that. St- that that arc and i love him yeah no he's great i love that at one point he's like why did my dad only make all these dumb arrows can i just have one normal arrow for the love of god yeah like when he pulls out the bomb arrow and he's like what the heck is this dad (laughs) yeah why can't i just shoot one with an edge on it like a normal human being so yeah superman's costume has little bits of ollie all over it (laughs) gross Oh, that's sad. Okay. Wow. Wow, that was a, that was a bunch. Um Our next question comes from at Brawl2099. Oh, I'm sorry. Joel Joel also says I can't think of this story without associating it with how Kevin Smith used Hal to bring Ollie back. I don't I don't know this. I have not read a single Kevin Smith comic. It is kind of my claim to fame. <laughs> you, you're better for it I don't remember exactly how he did it mm-hmm. but it involved the DNA pieces that uh, from Superman's costume Okay, I think so oh, uh, God, <laughs> that's a real Kevin Smith move the only Kevin Smith comic I think I've read is that is that like six pager or whatever where Batman melts down the gun that killed his parents and makes it into the Bat logo <laughs> which sure whatever you want all right at brawl 2099 asks should more events be paced like this with weekly chapters and only a single month of tie-ins i think 
if you've got a really cool story to tell and you want to do it over multiple months, that's fine. But if you are looking to not grind your entire line to a halt in the service of one story, I think this is maybe a better way to do it. Yeah, this is why I was so outraged. I can't even remember what event. Secret I w- Wars. Secret Wars. Yeah. Uh, every the entire Marvel universe ended, and they they only published tie-ins. Yeah, that really bothered me a whole lot. I much prefer condensing this all down to one month it was great for me a person who was who had kind of fallen out of marvel and was like oh i can only i only need to really read one one thing for a little bit that's cool yeah i i agree i really like the idea of getting a team to just pump out four issues like you can have a lot of lead time and then do it all in a weekly series and then have weekly or weekly tie-in books from all the other series and get it all done in a month. I think it's a better way to do an event miniseries than to drag it out over a year with tie-ins every every few issues for all the other series. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Our next question comes from at Drew underscore GY. Whose fault is the whole Hal Green Lantern mess? Also, who is your personal favorite Green Lantern? Well, that's, that's okay. So, so two questions there. Whose it, fault is the whole mess? I can't remember who wrote Emerald Twilight. So, the whole mess, actually, I would blame on Dan Jurgen. Yeah, that's... okay. Because Dan Jurgens is the one that destroyed Coast City mm. in the Superman books. However, DC, if... DC was so unified in the 90s. Yeah. However, if you're gonna blame somebody for him turning into Parallax, it's Ron Mark. Okay. Who took over Green Lantern at issue 48, and then wrote Green Lantern for the next 80 issues or so. Mm -hmm. But most of his run was Kyle, other than the three issues that turned Hal into Parallax. I don't know if I hate Hal turning into Parallax. I think it's fine. (laughs) I, I do too. I think it works for the character, because... This is a man who just lost almost everything that he loves because he was off in space doing his other job. And he comes back to his home and sees that it got absolutely destroyed and it wrecks him. Right. Plus, I also like the idea of legacy heroes and not going back on it. And this was a time where they actually like really had some had some some chutzpah regarding like Let's go all in on some legacy heroes and make them cool and make them interesting as opposed to just relying on these kind of like vanilla, boring, old heroes that were literally conceived as basically like the same person or several times over. Yep. Barry and Hal are not, when they were conceived, were conceived under this like comics code archetype of like just this kind of good guy with like slightly different features. (laughs) One's brunette, one's blonde, and uh... One is a CSI and the other is a space cop. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, otherwise, like, you know, like, if you just told me lines of theirs from the Silver Age and said who said which, you know, if they weren't referencing, like, the color yellow or moving fast, I wouldn't know. Right. No, they, they're the same cookie cutter cardboard personality. Right. And we got these new interesting heroes in the 90s. So, like, cool. If Hal Jordan had to turn into Parallax to give us, like, Kyle Rayner, who I, I like as a, as a, like, hero in that, like, in the Silver Age, everybody had to be very confident. Everybody, like, very much. At DC, early Silver Age, we're, like, we're great at being heroes. We're confident in it. And, like, Kyle's kind of like a, like, boy, I don't know if I'm doing a good enough job. Like, 
Well, he's stepping into the shoes of a literal legend. Like, right. like I said, in canon, Hal Jordan is regarded as the best Green Lantern to ever put the ring on. And right. Kyle is now the last Green Lantern and stepping into those shoes, trying to live up to Hal's legacy. And he, he does fine for himself. And to answer the second part of the question, Kyle is my favorite Green Lantern and always will be. Do you have a favorite Green Lantern, Christy? Uh, yeah, Joe from Far Sector. Oh, Joe's a good Green Lantern. That's a good pick. She's fantastic. Have you read much Far Sector? I've read the first few issues, like probably the first four. It's or five. almost finished, and I'm wondering if I should have just waited for the hardcover. I like that they're keeping with the same team, but it kind of took a while to come out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll catch up on it, but I really enjoyed her. Mogo is my favorite. I like the idea <laughs> of the Green Lantern that is a giant planet. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have that issue, actually. Corey, I have, like, my only Alan Moore comic I have is one of the Tales of the Green Lantern ones. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like, the, I actually think that Tales of the Green Lantern should probably come back and be an anthology and just have a bunch of stories about weird sci-fi. I feel like it could really, really come up with some cool ideas. I am all for anthology books, and I'm glad that DC is moving in that direction. So. I know. I wonder, like, they're starting to, for a while it was like, let's just do seasonal, like, let's do a Valentine's Day. And now they've kind of moved more into things almost like Marvel Voices. That, like, the, those initiatives seem kind of parallel, yep. where they're doing, like, let's do, like, the all-queer book, or the all-Asian-American, or just Asian heritage book. I would love it. I Last year they did, like, a let's just do all swamp thing i'm like yes let's keep doing that <laughs> like not necessarily swamp thing but like let's just let's have some more like very specific themed i i could be all for that they have a monthly batman one now yes i know the superman red and blue and batman black and white and soon to be wonder woman black white and gold mm -hmm. so they've got those themed ones and then they've got batman urban legends which is another bat family themed one mm-hmm they are moving towards more and more anthologies, and I think that's a good move because it's a great way to introduce readers to lesser known characters. Yeah, I think it's a good I think it's a good move. Okay, our next question is a fun kind of what if question from at forest underscore txt. What changes would you make if editors mandated it be called the final night with a KN? So if there was a story presented to me called The Final Night, it would be about a far future Batman who has to, like, at, fir at, the at first he is not Batman, and he discovers this legacy of hand-me-down Batman stuff. Mm -hmm. And he, he finds this whole, like, unbroken line of Batmans and has to, like, wield the mantle, but it's like a strange world that we don't, like, fathom, like, maybe, like, a billion years in the future. And it's not even, like, science fiction necessarily, it's almost just, like just so strange and out there. But I, I just like the idea of this weird moment where a guy's like fighting this like unknowable, strange, like mutant thing. And he like throws a battering at it. I think that's fun. See, mine is totally like outside of the realm of what DC would even do. When I think about the final night, I just imagine like a medieval knight who has been like displaced <laughs> out of time into the present day and has some really fun himbo adventures with superheroes trying to get back to his time. That does sound fun. Yeah. That does sound fun. And it doesn't seem terribly out of the realm of what DC would do in the 90s. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they did some really fun stuff in the 90s. I'm gonna go with a Mortal Kombat style 
Nightwing versus Bruce Wayne versus John Paul Valley. Mm. Okay. Who's Where John Paul? He was Batman for a while. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, it, he was the Batman who took over for Bruce when Bruce broke his back. When Bane right, the... right. Uh, and then Nightwing <laughs> took over for Bruce when Bruce got killed by Darkseid, but not really yes. killed. I know back. Nightwing. I know Nightwing. I'm sorry, Corey, are you talking about when he was submitted to the Omega, the Omega Sanction, the death of his life? Yep, yep. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> you said words. <laughs> But like, We're eventually going to read Final Crisis. I can't wait. No, it's oh, good. That it's hasn't good. been done yet, huh? Oh, uh, I always joke that it's going to be our last episode because then it can just be called Final Crisis. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good joke, but it's also <laughs> a good crossover. Oh, it's 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 like it's my favorite of all time. I love it. I just occasionally read it, like every every just every so often, and I do that with nothing else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's uh. I, I would just have a Mortal Kombat style tournament between all the people that have ever had the mantle of the bat. That and, sounds great. And eventually one of them comes out on top and it will probably be Bruce because yeah, it's sure, Bruce. Sure. Whatever. It's the final <laughs> Batman. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Forrest has another question. Does Etrigan the Demon's plan to move Earth to Hell cross the line into irredeemable villain or is he still an anti-hero this is somewhat related to what asimov fangirl asked i'm f- it, it it seemed like it, it's such like an all it's, it happens over two pages i'm fine with it it's whatever yeah yeah, yeah i really don't think about it much no that's, <laughs> i need to read like the jack kirby the demon stuff but the, the only etrigan i know is from swamp thing and he helps swamp thing go to hell to rescue his 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 lady so it's hard for me to be like, Etrigan's a bad guy, when I'm like, I don't know, he helps Swamp Thing go to hell. That's pretty cool. Like He has an agenda, but the agenda fits his character, so... I mainly just love that in DC, demons that have to rhyme all the time are, like, strictly more powerful than lots of other demons. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that's fun. Uh, all right. Our next question comes from at Toteracata. Toteracata. This is Corey, who has many much questions. Okay, yeah, a question and a follow-up. Uh, two so- follow-ups. Oh, two follow-ups. Yes. Okay. Do we want to read, cover, like, read them all at just, once? Let's okay. just time after time. After. All right. Uh, okay, so was Hal's redemption in this event legitimate? And if so, does it work better as an endpoint for the character? A specter do not interact, or is it ultimately <laughs> diminished by the parallax retcon? Uh, is it a good enough redemption? I think it is meant to be ambiguous, and I think that's fine. Right. I feel like that's really addressed with Superman and Batman's converse- conversation Man, at the end. You know, I don't know. Like, this is Corey. I think this is my first Carl, Carl Kiesel, and I'm like, I feel like he gets their voices like down pat in that last. Scene. Oh, he he absolutely does. Well, and like in regards to Superman, he should. <laughs> One would hope. I know he was on it for a while. Uh, Carl Kiesel was on Superman from Adventures of Superman 500 for like five years. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, he w- he was on the Superman books for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And he really, really gets Clark's voice really well. And it's really easy to bounce Bruce off of Clark when you get Clark's voice mm-hmm. real well. So I'm not surprised that he's good at Bruce's voice. And in terms of like, is this really redemption? I feel like I take Bruce's side of this of like, it's really easy 
to fall on your sword. Like, I know falling on your sword in this case meant, like, death for him. But it's a lot easier to make one big sacrifice than to make all of the multitude of small changes it would need to truly shift your behavior and change who you are. This reminds me of there is a quote from the Wheel of Time series where they say that duty is heavier than a mountain and death is lighter than a feather. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree there. I, I know Corey told us to ignore the specter, but it's hard to ignore that. God, it's a, real bad, though. Like, that was such a, a weird a, choice. A few years later, Hal becomes the specter, and then the parallax retcon happens. And to address that part of Corey's question, yes, the parallax retcon absolutely tarnishes everything about this era of Greenland. So okay, Christy, I the, don't know the, what it is, and I, uh, do I want to know? Do I want to plug my ears So it here turns out that, that Parallax is an actual entity that resided within the Green Lantern, or the, the Lantern, like, the, the, battery. the Great Lantern, the Battery, that's what it's called. And it is an entity of fear. So it's like a yellow entity, because eventually Jeff Johns decides to take everything in colored, colored yeah. directions. And that's why they had a yellow weakness, and it's why Kyle didn't have a yellow weakness, because the p- impurity of the battery was taken out mm-hmm. when Parallax was freed, and like, it's just dumb. So what you're telling me is Parallax isn't a reflection of the personal failings of Hal Jordan. It, it wasn't his him. fault. No, nope, it's a oh, fear demon that possesses yeah. him and turns him evil. No, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I ignore. It, it's a little. It's like it's a little like insulting to the people who came up with this original. Like, right? let's make a story where Hal falls because they lead up to it in a way where it makes a lot of sense, right? as opposed to now where it's like it never made sense. It is yeah. very, it's, it's, it's like, and it like, is a. To anybody the, who's ever struggled to do the right thing or struggled with grief, like, that's really insulting, too. It, yeah, the, it's terrible. And, like, Jeff Johns makes it so that the Parallax demon was affecting Hal even before Coast City. And that's why he went prematurely gray. Ugh. Like, it's just bad. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's very much this, like, there is something where sometimes writers in or creators in comics, in superhero comics, want to blame these re- very real world applicable issues on mm-hmm. like some like magic comic stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, the bigotry was caused by nano machines, or how Jordan's fall was actually a demonic entity that was in the power battery the whole time. And he was never bad. He never made bad choices. And it, Let it, superheroes be human beings. Yeah. Yep. It, well, it just, it makes for a better story. It makes for a more interesting story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I, okay. And Corey's last follow-up. Uh, follow-up nope, to the... F- he's the second one. Follow-up if it's just self-sacrifice rather than redemption with the f- knowledge of what's coming up in the DCU after Final Night. What, if anything, do you th- do you think would be a believable redemption arc? I think it just should have ended here and just been that. That just be that. Uh, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. But if you're actually going to work to redeem Hell, I think, like Christy said, it has to be the little thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, the big sacrifice isn't what needs to do it. It needs to be... Him showing that he has actually changed and not just showing up in the darkest hour and killing himself to save everyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And then follow up to the follow up. And then Corey promises he'll stop. And he 
Corey has stopped. So thank you, Corey. Uh, <laughs> is redemption even possible or worthwhile considering the constantly influx nature of a decades old character in a shared universe? Is any sin truly irredeemable? Corey asking the big philosophical questions well, here. Corey is <laughs> thinking about the serial nature of comics written by people who have vastly different takes on all of these characters and they, they have different desires about what these characters should do and even what these characters mean. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think, I think there are stories worth telling and I think stories of redemption are fantastic stories, you know, regardless of what happens after. I think that they're often shortcutted because people don't always want to tell them. They just want the character back. Yeah. yeah and that's I fair think, too. I think Chris is right there. And I, I do think that there are some in unforgivable sins. Yes. I, I think genocide, which Hal does, <laughs> it is pretty unforgivable. He wipes out the entire race of guardians except for Ganthet. Yes. Like, it, it, it's pretty unforgivable when you wipe out an entire species just gonna put that out there yeah mm -hmm. hal gene gray you know we've all done it you know and it turns out neither of them was actually them because they were both possessed by no, cosmic it, space entities of whatever yeah it is interesting how that is i do you, i almost wonder if jeff read dark phoenix and he's like oh, oh, oh wait a second this is how i can fix it <laughs> right uh, okay, so I love at Coltrag's question um, of how come there are more stories after this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Being they, that it's they all, the final night. Well, they all take place during the daytime. Uh... <laughs> they don't. There's a lot of Batman stories, and they're very rarely in the daytime. <laughs> I, I mean, the short answer is because Hal fixed it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he, he, he reset it. It was final, and now it's not final. <laughs> yeah, like, it very much looked like it was going to be the last story, but then they pulled it out at the end, like heroes tend to do. Yeah. Okay, our next question I can only assume is just for Chris, yep. because it's, why don't more dudes talk about this? This is from Big Dad Energy. Yes, at Big Dad Energy underscore. Why don't more dudes talk about this? I think it's because dudes like punching. Not everybody. I love I love kissing. I think kissing comics are the best. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I like punching comics. If you can give me a kiss and a punch in the same comic, boom. We're living right. <laughs> uh, I don't know why more dudes don't talk about this. I think... And I think Zach is just riffing on the fact that in the, Zach, this is, of course, Zach, the, uh, the, the editor-in-chief of Comics XF, <laughs> where we were all sitting going, this was great. Why don't more people talk about this? And Corey's just going, I know. And I think it's because I think it's because there wasn't a lot of action in it. No. Right. So it kind of gets overlooked. Um, I will say that DC did put out a 25th anniversary collection for it this year. Sweet. Um, mm. So, like, it is newly reprinted, and it is available, and, like, DC still knows that there are a lot of people that love it. Yeah. Corey, it, it, are you telling me that there's hot new prints in your area? <laughs> I I may have ordered it today. I'd I was gonna say, I'm, thi <laughs> I'm thinking about putting it on the old wish list. Um, like, it's... I, I think it also gets lost in... The other DC crossovers of the era, which were more frequently 
revolving around either the Batman family or the Superman family, mm-hmm. where it was crossovers between just those books. And this was even like pre Morris and JLA by a little bit, in which like yep. the Justice League was not all of like the heavy hitter characters that we're used to. Yeah, it was right before Morris and JLA. Uh huh. And it was, like I said, right before Superman's wedding. It was right before Contagion in the Batman books, which started the run up to. What, No Man's Land? to no man's land so like it's it's very much that most of the big dc events were focused on just two characters and contained to just those two characters unlike you know now where batman events pulling pull in everybody looking at you dark knight's metal (laughs) a batman event where everybody has to punch batman there's just (laughs) there's so many batmans to punch all right, I feel like that's a pretty good question to end on because I don't want to end on friend of the show, Nola Fowl's question. Oh, where, where <laughs> Nola is is wondering why Corey isn't gonna is gonna apologize. <laughs> you know, if we if we covered what was the original one we were supposed to cover, Bloodlines, maybe Corey oh, has to apologize. But Corey instead yes. was like, "What if I gave you like this hidden gem, wonderful <laughs> like crossover that you're gonna like and you're gonna have fun with, and it's like Chris's favorite artist." <laughs> like this requires no apologies. I this was like this was a pleasure to even lead up to. The issues were like a breeze to to summarize and parse. Mm-hmm. It was fun to read. It wasn't like overly long and weirdly complicated. It was like it's it's like exactly what I want from a crossover. So basically what you're saying is Nola is wrong and Corey is blameless. <laughs> the words Nola is wrong coming out of someone's mouth just feels Good. Um, Good for Corey. (laughs) (laughs) No, if this were Bloodlines, I would actually be apologizing right now, because the original thing that I requested of you guys was a much longer crossover. Yeah, every every comic was like a 40 plus issue page, or 40 40 plus page issue. (laughs) Yeah, it was all annuals. It was the annuals from 1992, no, 1993. And it was terrible. Yeah. Like, it is one of the worst crossovers Thank of you, Corey. all time. <laughs> Considering in general, I feel like most crossovers are bad, I was thrilled to read this one, which I considered good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, with that, do we want to head into accolades? Absolutely. Let's get into some accolades. Alright, so first up, we have our best line accolade. Chris, what do you think was the best line in this event? Mine goes to Guy Gardner. There's a bit where he is about to go grab a drink because he thinks the world is going to end. Because the world seemed like it's going to end. And he said, guess it's true that saying about the grass on the other side always being greener and then like, like a green lantern. (laughs) Uh, i thought that was a great line i had something else and then changed it because i was like oh jeez." my best line is also a silly one there were there were probably much better lines but this one made me chuckle just because i like wonder woman as a as a sort of fish out of water character um and she she's talking about or she says a heartbreaking 
five-year-old and partiers who keep saying it's the end of the world <laughs> as they know it, but they feel fine. Hmm? That's a song? Okay, if you say so. I feel like this is a thing I would say. <laughs> Chrissy is I Wonder Woman confirmed. <laughs> Mine is from the first issue, very early in the first issue, and it is, I'm Superman, and this is the Legion of Superheroes. For your sake, I hope you came in peace. Oh, that's so good. Uh, it is really it is good. Really good. That that was an example of like where where like sequential storytelling like hits it good, where it like it like puts like a period on a sentence and that like a here they are. For your sake, I hope you came in peace. It's it's yeah. good. It's good. It is. And like I said, Carl gets Superman voice. Mm-hmm. It's really excellent. perfectly. All right. Greatest hero. I feel like this is a really tough one for me to give because I didn't want to give it to Hal. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't. Okay. Uh, but I have I have two options. I kind of couldn't narrow it down. And maybe you guys can help me here. Sure, sure. It is either Spectre or the Stranger. Oh, so the Stranger who gave the dusk kind of a It's a Wonderful Life uh, Christmas Carol style. Right. Trip. Like, hey, people are really good and you should care about us. Sure. The or- Phantom Stranger. The Phantom Stranger. The yes. Phantom Stranger. And then Spectre, who kept Gaia warm. He was just kind of giving her a pep talk. And I thought, <laughs> I like at first, he's like, I can't help. And then he's like, I'm just going to help. I'm just going to talk to the earth. Hey. Right. Hey. Hey, it's going to be fine. So Do you need a water? I, I'm leaning towards the Phantom Stranger because Phantom Stranger kind of bullied the Spectre into doing something, like kind of guilted him into it. <laughs> so I feel like Phantom Stranger comes out on top for me in that's terms of fine. heroism. That's, that's good. Like. I, it's I not think this often sucks. that you get to give this award to the Phantom Stranger. <laughs> the greatest. Normally, he just kind of shows up, says some cryptic stuff. That's kind of all he does. Yeah, he yeah. did good things here. Good things. I, I don't like the Spectre. There's times where he does cool stuff, but I think for the most part, he is kind of a, like, I am bound not to interfere sort of character. But I'll like, kind of interfere just enough to cares? be slightly helpful. I liked him in Crisis, where he, okay. like, sparred with the anti-monitor. Okay, but who's your greatest hero? Did you Corey goes first. Corey goes first. Oh, okay. All right, Corey, who's your greatest hero? Uh, so I, I too, did not want to select Hal Jordan. <laughs> um, and it wasn't that hard for me, actually. I, I gave my choice to Pharaoh. Oh. He's a good boy. He's a good boy who was willing to sacrifice himself for the good of the entire world. And he was about to do just that, and, like, his sacrifice means more to me than Hal Jordan. And I- Pharaoh's just a good kid. Mm, I like it. I like it. Alright, Chris, you wanted to be last. So Tell us. We're gonna- we're gonna get close to the mic. Okay, really close. And we're gonna- we're gonna talk in a really- really small voice. Really small voices. I gave it to Hal Jordan. <laughs> You gave it to Hal Jordan? I did him a monster. (laughs) (laughs) He blew himself up to reignite the sun. Fine. Moving on. All right, whatever. I don't like Hal Jordan. He's not even close to my favorite Green Lantern. (laughs) All right. Coolest moment. My coolest moment I gave, and I feel like it's really out of 
out of character for what is normally my coolest moment, which is like normally like a really cool artistic moment yeah. or something cool that happens like power wise or story wise. <laughs> well, this, this, I guess is a cool story wise moment, but I gave my coolest moment to Superman and Batman's conversation at the end of issue four. It is just like, like it, it like just hit as like a, like an excellent conversation. And maybe sometimes in comics, like having a cool coda on the end of a crossover where like the two pill, like the two biggest pillars in DC mm-hmm. have a little disagreement on the nature of morality. Maybe that's pretty cool. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's no, like- no, that's fantastic. It's like the Aesop's fable moral of the story, except we don't really know the moral of the story because it's ambiguous, and sometimes being good well, is ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. So, some sometimes people are more complicated than one act that they do, and that's fine. And I feel I I love that nuance in a superhero story. It makes people seem really human. Also, it ends with Batman jumping off a roof and like grappling hooking away, which is such a Batman moment. <laughs> it's real cool. It I liked cool. it a lot. All right, I I will say my coolest moment, which was the boom tube, where they like they like tried to boom tube the whole. So a boom tube, for people who don't know, is a <laughs> it's a fourth world technology. It's from like the New Gods. It's like a teleportation tube for the most part. But they try to boom tube the entire Sun Eater away, but the Sun Eater like overloads it and it blows up. But that moment of them trying to do it just looked very cool. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great one. I already kind of talked about mine. It's when all of the energy-powered heroes try to make a second sun. Like, that's just such a cool scene. Care Bear time! Like, I am a sucker for when all the energy powers go off at once. Like They even literally say, pour it it on, which is, that's sick. (laughs) Yep. All right, next up we've got our Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy. Chris, who do you give that to? Lex Luthor just being a jerk to Brainiac the entire crossover. <laughs> like, oh, I thought you had this, man. Like, like he was just, it was, it was so silly. This one, I, I was glad that this moment happened because there was not like a real like villain to this crossover. So it was good that Lex was at least still a jerk. <laughs> I also gave it to Lex, but I gave it specifically to Lex's Speedo at the very beginning. I do like that he's like, guess my beach trip is over. And it it almost like ended with like a, yeah! Okay, so there is context there, Chris. Yes, I love this. Lex also just got married. <laughs> That's right, because he was on his honeymoon, right? Yeah, he was on his honeymoon with the Contessa de Lorenza. And like, <sighs> like, that was the big fake out is that they had Lex Luthor get married before Superman got married. Ridiculous. After building it. to the Superman marriage for five years. So good. Okay, so I give mine to Vandal Savage, who apparently blackmailed the the woman featured in the Mona Lisa into sitting for the portrait because he wanted to have her soul. What? He's stealing the Mona Lisa because because what he was like friend zoned or yeah. like denied mm-hmm. like it just vandal savage is an incel is just <laughs> real silly and uh, kind of gross <laughs> <laughs> all right well our next uh accolade is the key of c award the the award that would most be improved <laughs> by having a musical number mm-hmm. i'm gonna go first Okay. Etrigan trying to make a deal with the Earth, I feel like could have like a like real like 
you, what's the 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 bit from Sweeney Todd where they finally decide to like carve up people and they're like seems <laughs> a downright shame mm-hmm. like that i feel like that could be kind of the the vibe we're going to we're like we don't want to waste a whole earth like oh that seems like such a like oh yeah oh see when you suggested that moment i was really thinking about like the music man just like <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry you mean the 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 the, the very quick like uh-huh. staccato beats of the music man just really everybody getting enraptured into this like yeah let's sell our souls the pope joining in in this mu- musical number like snapping his fingers and you oh know. it could be like the bit the the simpsons bit which also riffs on music man where they're like let's build a monorail and like, monorail <laughs> monorail <laughs> yeah. there you go what's yours Kristen? mine goes to there's this panel of the legion of superheroes in uh, Miracle Man, and they've all got their little, like, universal translator mics on, and they look like a pop <laughs> And all I yes. want is a pop song. Just, I don't care what it's about at this point, but I want some synchronized dancing and intense <laughs> harmonies and, like, I don't know, like, time to save the Earth. Like, I'm imagining like, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. <laughs> I cannot remember the name of the musical artist in that, but just some real, like, dumb, futuristic <laughs> singing. I've been doing in sync moves in the background. Yes, you have, and it's, I've been absolutely delighted. Corey, uh, who do you give, or what moment do you give your Key of C award to? What do you want right, to so choose I'm, a musical number? I'm giving it to a moment that neither of you read, because I'm going into the tie-in issues for mine. <laughs> Love that those deep cuts. <laughs> and so right after he shows up at the end of Final Night Number 2, we find out more about Pharaoh in the Superman crossover issue. Oh. Um, but more importantly, Pharaoh helps to distribute the last edition of the Daily Planet, or what we thought was going to be the last edition of the oh. Daily Planet. And he does so by pulling a sled through the snow-covered streets of Metropolis filled with newspapers and handing them out. And I think that that's a perfect spot for a news user. Yes! (laughs) That's great. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Okay, our next accolade is the I Will Go Down With This Ship accolade. And this can be any kind of ship here. Does it have romantic or... Platonic. I want to go first on this one. And go okay. for it. Hear me out. Because technically, she's missed not appearing in this event. Okay. But the fact that when he's about to sacrifice himself for the good of the world, the last thing that Clark does is write a letter to Lois to say goodbye mm. means that this still counts. They're my number one ship in comic. Clois forever. Forever and always, Clovis. Aww, that's really sweet. That is kind of a clever bit of writing in that even if she's not in here, she has like an important sort of like... Presence. Presence, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I give mine to Mr. Miracle and Varda. <laughs> <laughs> also They're, a good choice. Yeah, Mr. Miracle and Varda is, is, is definitely like a, a top three like best ships in D.C., we didn't have enough of them together. I they mean, did great things on their on their <laughs> own, but like 
I need to sit with you at some point and have you read the Mr. Miracle series by Jack Kirby. You can tell like so good. Like so good. It, oh, Mr. Miracle by Jack Kirby is probably my favorite fourth world stuff. But there's a bit where like they have like a romantic moment and he, she's like I would they were talking about like Granny Goodness who's a bad character. Mm. I know. And she's <laughs> like I will like I would jump down her throat or something and it's like they just have these really good moments they are they're great also like she is way taller than him i love it so <laughs> she's much huge i love she's, her she's so large <laughs> okay what ship would you go down with chris this is a weird one specter and gaia i just feel like god this, <laughs> the spirit of god's vengeance really cares about the earth almost like in a way that he feels like he's sort of like a guy who's definitely never gonna get with gaia because he's like hey, i'm just here to keep you warm you know it's fine if you like, need anything let me know. i know it's been a bad breakup and i don't really want to be threatening but do you do you need me to like call some takeout or anything like we can just snuggle we can just snuggle. <laughs> do you just need a do you just kind of need a, a very platonic back rub <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> okay. He just doesn't want to be and, very threatening. And and this is a ship you support. Got it. It's just good to know. It's just good something I saw. <laughs> You're narratively interested in it. You know, I hope at one point he gets the courage to ask Gaia out on a date. <laughs> I think she'd go for it. Uh, all right. I feel like the hardest accolade to give out here was the goodest hit. Because no one punches <laughs> anyone. There's like no there punches. Wasn't any. But. I kind of like the direction that I went in for the goodest hit here. So fire is kind of like duped into uh, kissing. I don't even know who's she bringing back. Ray. The Ray. Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's got to got to kiss him to transfer her energy. Very and Disney. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so when Ray wakes up, he says. Waking up to an angel like you, never better. And she just drops his head and he thumps right on the table. And I'm like, that's a good hit. I like that one. It's because fire is, in fact, in love with ice and has no time for him. <laughs> exactly, yes. 100%. Good hit. Corey, what's your goodest hit? All right, so again, I'm going to go into the tie-ins for this, because like you said, there's not a whole lot of hitting in the main book. All right, Light lay on, on me some of this punching so, that happens in the tie-ins. So in the Robin tie-in, Robin gets a sweet bat snowmobile. Ooh. <laughs> and as he is jumping snow dunes on his sweet ride, he's also smacking some would-be looters with his bow staff. And it's... It's nice. <laughs> that is very fun. I love that. Uh, I gave it to like the one hit that happens in this crossover, which is a bit where <laughs> I think a looter is like attacking Dusk and Nightwing just like straight up kicks him in the face with like a roundhouse <laughs> kick. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like a guy who just hates Dusk because it, it's very much like a Dusk brought this as opposed to Dusk is very much like a figure that is analogous to Pariah in the crisis. Right. Yeah. In that she just shows up. But she's always trying to help things, whereas I feel like Pariah was just there to like be scared for a little bit. <laughs> Pariah's like, why? Why does this keep happening to me? I feel like Pariah. I don't want to be here. I think he's so useless. <laughs> I've got thoughts on that guy. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that wraps up our accolades <laughs> and it wraps up our episode. Thank you so much, Corey McCreary, saying both <laughs> names here. A full first and last. A full name. The privilege. I don't know. I kind of like just Corey. Uh, <laughs> but thank you so much, Corey, for being here. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was a blast. Um, I really love this crossover, and I'm glad that I got to experience it with you. And if people want to find you and or your work on the internet, if you want to be found, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at CoreyMarie21. They can find my writing and editing at WomenWriteAboutComics.com, and they can find my writing at Comics Beat and Comics XF. I am all over the place. It it's scary how much I I commit myself to. <laughs> yeah, Corey currently working her way through the entire Triangle era of Superman. Corey's writing a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah I I am writing a book, and I I feel like I can talk about that now because I've got over two hundred pages written. So. <sighs> The Neverending Battle, a Triangle Era retrospective, is going to be a book. Good job, Corey. Yeah. (laughs) Impresso. And readers, of course, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can send us those long-form messages at chrisisoninfiniteearths at gmail.com. And if you want to support us monetarily, we've got links to our Patreon and Ko-fi in the show notes. Right. You can be like Corey and make us do a crossover. Just like the next crossover we're going to cover, which is going to be Spider-Man. Ooh. That is plural, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, it is a plural comic. Ooh. (laughs) Much like Secret Wars. Also plural? As opposed to Secret War. I can't believe there's two of those. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we we appreciate every bit of support that you could lend us. Mm -hmm. And if you want to support us non-monetarily, you can recommend us to a friend, or you can head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. We love to shout those out out on the show and read those out. Uh, Whatever fun, goofy tidbits you want to include in there, we will say them. Yeah, you know, context-dependent. This is a family-friendly show, but otherwise, yes. (laughs) And thank you once again, Corey. Thank you, readers, for joining us. And until next time... Slay your enemies, and all you desire shall be yours.